0: Thanks, Andrew. Oh, there we are. Probably should check the mics before we start a church service would be a good idea. Then you don't have to hear me say, one, two, one, two, one, two. I never know why they don't get to three or four. It's like they can't count. It's always one, two, one, two. If you're seeing some of the kids running around that's outside, that's okay. Um, we're selling them off. No, we're not. We're, they've got a... They've got an Easter egg hunt happening outside, so our leaders are out there with them. Please don't be alarmed, don't be afraid. They are under supervision being driven, absolutely driven by the desire, as you can see, the intent and desire to find chocolate. If you give me five minutes, I'll be right back, by the way. (laughs) I think I'd like to go out there too. Well, they'll have some fun and they've got some other things to do. So if you're wondering why they're out there, that's why. Easter. is a really um, an amazing time of year. I, I know every Sunday we get together and every Sunday we, we um, focus on our Lord, His death and His resurrection. We do that. You know, we share a communion message. You know What communion is to us and why? Why is it that to us? Because it's personal. If it's never personal it's just a fact. If it's just a fact that it has no life. It, if it has no life it brings no change. Yeah? So every week we look at what communion is to us, and we talk about things uh, about our Lord. And then all of a sudden we get to Easter and it's like, oh, now we're focusing on the death and resurrection. Well, we've actually been doing that (laughs) uh, every other week. But there seems to be a special week because of a special focus. You know, just like if if there's a particular game of football or a favourite movie, there's an intense watching of that or desire of that at that particular time. Easter's like that, isn't it? We just, we really, we knuckle down and we focus. It's an amazing time of year. You know, we celebrate the death. We actually, you have to capture the words, we celebrate the death, yeah? It's not a mourning of the death, it's a celebration of the death. You know, if God didn't want to do it, he wouldn't have done it. You know, he's not in heaven mourning what he did. It was his choice, it was his plan, it was his decision. It's a celebration that he got to that place that he decided to send his son to die. Because that Brought us into right relationship. That brought us back into relationship with the Father. And because that was the only way to bring us back into relationship, it happened to deal with our sin. See, God's always good. He didn't punish us and punish His Son. He sent Him as a love offering, yeah? It's really important that we get it right. So I love this time of year because we celebrate the death and we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate having a relationship with Father God. And And I'm excited when I think about Easter because I loved how Mel put it on Good Friday. She said, there's nothing, nothing, you know, split the word in half, if you like, almost. No thing, not not him, yeah? (laughs) So no thing can separate us from his love. You think about anything in your life that you've done. Because if we're to be true to self, I think each and every one of us has had moments where we've thought You know, even if it was early on in your faith, um, it might even be moments. Just you have those, maybe it's just me where you have those momentary, you know, times of weakness where you just woe is me. Anyone else have woe is me moments? You know, you throw a little pity party every once in a while. Yeah, I do that. When I have mine, I like to get the family involved. Um, and and Because I think it's good to have a party. Um, Mel tells me it's not a good party to have. Um, So we're still working on that one. But regardless of what that thing is that we're having a pity party about, there is no thing that can separate us from his love. To the extent where the father said, listen, I'm going to make it really clear for you. I'm going to stick a piece of wood in the ground and I'm going to put my son on it. No matter what you've gone through, that will take care of it. Oh, so 20 years ago, I'm going to just pluck something extreme. You killed someone. That's okay. Okay. You still can have a relationship with me. There's nothing, there's nothing that can separate you from my love. Like nothing. You, you, you've got to understand the extent. It's almost like a game of chess. And we think that we're winning. You know, we're winning, but we're really losing. You know, we're winning because we're saying we're separated. We're, we're, we're worms. Woe is me. The worm that I am. I'm not good enough for God. You know those moments? And God says, hold on a minute. And he, and he plays, a, 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 he makes a move, which is the cross and the resurrection. He goes, checkmate, you'll always be good for me. There's nothing that can separate you. But God, no, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I just did. You don't know what I just looked at. You don't know what I just said. He goes, no, no, checkmate. It doesn't matter. Look, look at the piece I just, I, pl- I just played the final move. That's it. Nothing else. Full stop. Yeah, that's Easter. It's God saying, Checkmate on everything that separated us from him. It's God saying, you can, you, there's no move that you can make now that's going to reverse that. I've done it. I love you. Full stop. Thanks very much. So I love that. I love that, that Mel emphasized that nothing can separate us from, from his love. And I'm constantly amazed how daddy does things, how our father works, how he, how he goes about his business. I don't know if you, any of you have ever noticed. if you noticed how... He does things in a way that we wouldn't. Has anyone ever noticed that? Like you're thinking God should do it, should fix something like this and he doesn't? It's like, God, I know you're brilliant and I know you're the creator of everything, but you know you could have done it different? Anyone ever thought like that? Or is it, again, it's just me. It just must be my walked way of thinking. Thank you for putting up with me then. Yeah, because I must just think these, you must sit there thinking, wow, he's really twisted, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Because he does things in ways that, that we can't even think, dream, or imagine. Yeah? Isaiah 50, 55, 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. He he just doesn't do things like we would. I wouldn't have chosen the cross to bring us back into right relationship. I probably would have chosen some sort of holy handshake, you know, like it would have been easier but he just doesn't do things the way that we would. And, and I love it because we even sing a song in the church that his love never fails. It just never fails. You only have to speak to my kids, any of them, my older ones, my younger ones, speak to my wife. They'll tell you at time it seems that my love fails. And I know none of you have a love that fails. I know that with your partners, spouses, children, parents, grandparents, I know that you're almost like Jesus. But I'm letting you know that I don't hit that mark often. So I can't say that my love never fails. I love Psalm 136. Because if you read Psalm 136, it's, it's a whole give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. He's done this, done this, done this, done this. And in between, it's his love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. It just goes on. We're, we're talking like 26 verses of second part, his love endures forever. The NLT says his faithful love endures forever. It, it, now it's becoming a bit more personal. He's faithful to you. And because of that faithfulness, his love endures forever. And then even better, if you get the contemporary English version, it just nails it and and it says, his love never fails. His love never fails. His love never fails. So today, I want us to remember just that, that that he does things his way, yeah, and that his love never fails. Is that okay? Yeah? Yeah? But I want to add one more that's really important to remember. He does things his way and his love never fails, but here's the thought that I want us to carry on from Easter Sunday is that he does things in his timing and not ours. Because this is really important. He does things in his timing, not ours. Papa's timing is always the best timing. There's no better timing than when he does things. Even when it seems the exact opposite, sometimes his timing just doesn't make sense. Yeah? But if somehow we can understand how he works, it'll encourage us to face all of our tomorrows if we understand how he works. Yeah? See, the truth is, it can be really hard to trust God and his timing. Because stuff happens. And we want him to work. We want him to do things. We want him to fix things. We want him to heal things. We want him to restore things. We want him to make things right. Now. Please. Because it hurts. It's painful. It's frustrating. Hello, I'm your son. You love me, remember? But he's timing. It's his timing. Does it ever seem to you like we're not on God's or you're not on God's radar? Does it ever feel like that to you? You know that he loves you, but you're just going through some stuff and it's like, hello, hello God. I'm not feeling really good right now. Hello. You know, and you get into worship and all of a sudden you're experiencing the presence of God and you know he's there and he's talking to you about something and you come out of that and it's like, um, remember that thing? Hello, you didn't hear me? Are you there? And again, maybe it's just me. But there are just times that I think it feels like that we're not on God's radar and he's running off a different clock than we are. Almost as if he's got one of those cheap analog clocks and the batteries have gone dead. It's like, hey, my, my clock's still ticking. I'm still in pain. I'm still in anguish. I'm still thinking like this. Hello. Sometimes it's like he doesn't even know what we're going through when we're in the middle of going through it. Yeah. The truth is opposite though. There's never a time that Father God's not aware of the desires of our hearts. There's never a time. His timing will always be perfect even when our trust in it is it? Yeah? So let's see if I can explain it this morning. Genesis 22. I've got a couple of long scriptures. Um, and so I'll read those. And I've got some long scriptures that I'm just going to paraphrase. Is that okay? Just for the sake of time. But Genesis 22 from verse 1. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I'll show you. Like really, one of the mountains. Can you please show me now, God? That would be good. If I'm going to head off, can you show me where I'm going? Rather than saying, head over there to one of the mountains that I'll show you. Yeah? Again, just my thinking, obviously. The next morning, Abraham got up early, he saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for a place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Imagine just driving for three days, and three days later, finally you go, Ah, oh, that's where we're going. Oh, I could have, if you told me, I could have taken this road. But just me again. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we'll come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arrange the wood on it. I'm glad God didn't ask me. I tried to build a box <laughs> for, you know, your water meter, just to cover the water meter. Just, I, I, I should bring photos to put it up there. It's in about four pieces. It didn't work. I used, this is how cluey I am. I used a piece of MDF out. Yeah, yeah. So now it's about that fat. You know, all the nails have pulled out because I didn't use screws. Like, if God had asked me to build an altar, I would still be there building an altar today. We wouldn't have this story in the Bible right now. So he has to build an altar. Then he ties his son Isaac, lays him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham, he replied. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your own son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the th- horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. So here, we've got God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son, to kill his son. We, we, most of us know the story. yeah, And we read it quite flippantly. yeah. It's a, a horrendous story. God has just asked him to take his son and kill him. It's a, it's a horrendous story. And think about it. He, it actually says that he grabs his donkey, his servants, and his son. So he, has to, he, he per, has to be purposeful. He grabs his son. He grabs the donkey. He grabs the couple of servants. He even goes, it says, he goes and chops the wood. For those of you that have got fireplaces, chopping wood is no easy feat. They didn't have a steel chainsaw. Yeah, It would have taken some time for Abraham to chop this wood. And then he finally sets out to where God had told him about. Now, I don't know about you. When I read that, I just think, God, you could have rescued Abraham at any time. At any time. He was showing intent. You could have come to the party. At any moment, you could have jumped in. You could have intervened in that that process. You know, I wonder what Abraham was thinking at the time. Come on, God. Enough's enough. You know, I've been chopping this wood. I've got everything ready. You can see that I'm going to obey you. Can you, can you make this right now? Like, I just wonder what he, as the father, was thinking. Do you really need or want Isaac? You know... Joe down the road, his son's a brat, take him. You know, I wonder what he was thinking. Won't something else do? Hello, God? Are you there? Can you you hear me? He travels three days. With all of those thoughts and more bouncing around in his head... I don't, I don't think I'd be able to cope. I wonder how we would cope, really. I mean, I reckon I would have been God, I, I need you to deliver me right now. I prayed as I came to the drive through. I'm now at the first window. I want to be delivered now, please. I've paid my dues. I'm now at the second window. Give me my answered prayer. Thank you. Yeah? I reckon that would have been us. Or at least me. But nothing. Silence. So they travel three days. They finally arrive. And then Abraham grabs Isaac, leaves the servants behind. He then has to spend more time to build an altar. It's like, God, really? You can't intervene at any other time? If I was God, I probably would have saved Abraham all of the effort of building the altar. It's obvious he's going to kill his son. I mean, really, God? Any time now would be really good. You know, we, mate, you were joking, right, God? You know, the altar's finished. He stacks the wood. He ties Isaac on it. And I, I could just imagine him as a father going, Hello, Papa. Are, are you there? He grabs the knife. Still nothing. Not a single word from God. And then he finally lifts the knife. He finally lifts it because when it's here, he's not going to do any damage to Isaac. He's not going to be able to kill his son while the knife's here. So he has to lift the knife if he's going to penetrate skin and bone. Yeah. And right there, where there's no time left, God We would have stopped it. I would have stopped it days, weeks before that. God shows up. God delivers. God comes through. And God does it his way. His love never fails. And God did it in his timing, not ours. Yeah? What about Moses? Exodus 14. And I won't read it, but it's when the Israelites are leaving Egypt and they start to leave. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh has this epiphany. It's like, what am I doing? Am I so stupid? I'm about to lose my workforce. And there was no H&S then. And there was no fair work rates. Yeah, They were his slaves. And he's like, I'm losing all of my workers. Who's going to do this stuff for me? All my slaves are gone. Who's going to build all, 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 all the statues that are going to glorify me? So... In that moment, in that epiphany, the Egyptian army starts chasing down the Israelites. And the Israelites would have heard the roar of all of the chariots, yeah? And what should happen? God, really? You're going to put water in front of us? They're already coming and now we're going to die by the water's edge. Now, for a people that are starting to come to a realisation that God loves them, that would be a really good way for them to think, obviously, he doesn't give a rip. Yeah. If I was God, I probably would have just nailed it then. They walked out of Egypt. They'd been through the plagues. They had a realisation that, man, God's really must love me. I would have, that's when I would have done, that's when I would have delivered them right at that point. That's, I reckon that's a better plan. But no, the Egyptians are coming and there's water that they can't cross. Come on, God. If you could just pick us up, you know, all million and, and so of us, and just throw us over to the other side of the water, that would be awesome. Or, or God, if you could, if you could just confuse the Egyptians but permanently, just strike them with something, some fire and brimstone, maybe some lightning, we don't mind. However you want to kill them, God, that would be awesome. Could you imagine the thoughts the Israelites are having about now? Seriously. Put yourself, just for a moment, put yourself in their shoes. They have been tormented, made slaves, and finally they leave that place only to come to a dead end. A dead end that, as far as they're concerned, that's where God took them. You promised us freedom. This doesn't look like freedom. I thought you loved us. And, and now you're just going to let us die? And then just when it was all over, Moses, Moses raises his, his hands in the water's part. Where did Moses even learn that? He'd raised his hands and his, his right a few times for different things. He'd turned the water into blood. Did he practice with a a cup of tea like in Bruce Almighty? You know, raised his hand and the tea parted, and he thought, "Ah, if I do that at the river's edge, that'll work. Like, where did he even learn to do that? And so he does something that he's never done before. He raises his hands to God, and the waters just stop running and they part. And right there, God. God shows up. God parts the water. He even confuses the Egyptians. And this all happening while the last of the Israelites are making their way on dry ground. God did it his way. His love never fails. And he did it in his timing. Yeah? What about this? Talk about his way and his timing. 2 Kings 6, chapter chapter 6, verse 8. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our voices at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place. The the Arminians, however you pronounce it, are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this, as you would. He called his officers together, and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who's been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. Now, this is when it gets really good, yeah? And the report came back, Elisha's at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, you have to do a study on Gehazi because Gehazi is a servant, but it's another story. He went outside. There were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. A brilliant story, isn't it? See, what we don't read, what we don't read there is the fear and the panic in the servant's heart. What we don't read, because it's only one line, is the fear and panic in Gehazi's heart. The servant gets up and he looks out the window and all he sees is the king of Aram's soldiers and chariots everywhere. He would have been like, oh my goodness, oh, look at that. He would have run to another window. I won't run to because last time I ran in church, I couldn't breathe because I ran out of breath. So I'm going to run slowly. Yeah. So he goes, oh, look, there's more soldiers. Oh, what are we going to do? He would have been, you know, you know, when you have one of those moments, I know you don't. And I know it's only me and I know it's only my children. But sometimes when they throw a hissy fit, Samuel will walk from one side of the house to the other, slam that door in his bedroom. But then no one's in there to listen to him. So he comes back out, walks back through so he can come back again. Yeah. So I reckon Gehazi would have been like, what are we going to do to soldiers? Oh my goodness, Elisha, Elisha what are we going to do? Like, there's a sol- look, they're everywhere. There's, a sol- there's soldiers everywhere. That would have been me. No, I didn't go too fast. I'm still breathing. He would have thought, oh my God, Zillah, we're dead, we're dead, we're dead, we are dead. And Elisha would have said, no, 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 we're not. No, we're dead, Elisha, we're dead. Look out there. We're dead. We're gone. We're finished. And it's all your fault, dude, by the way. What are we going to do? Elisha himself has to stand and say to him, look, dude, I did run too fast. Chill, relax, don't be afraid. But you've got, to, you've got to understand Gehazi here, he would have been thinking it's easy for you to say. It's easy for you to remain calm and say that. Can't you see what I see? It's obvious. They're everywhere. We're finished. There's an army camped around us. The bills are due and we can't extend them anymore. They're coming to take us away, Elisha. That's it. The boss wants to see me. I'm going to get fired today. It's all over. Finished. See, it really doesn't matter what he was thinking except that he was afraid. And so Elisha has to speak up to say, don't be afraid. And he prays and he says, open his eyes, Father. And then God Right there. God turns up. And there's horses and chariots of fire that are surrounding the army, that are surrounding them, yeah? God, his way. I would have stopped the king of Aram's army well before they made it to Elisha if I was God. It would have been an easier way. Poor Gehazi nearly had a heart attack. They didn't have portable defibrillators back then. Like he needed one. Let's face it, if you, read, if you read in it, close your eyes and imagine that he needed it. Someone had to resuscitate him back to life. It would have been much easier if God had just taken care of the king's army before they had even arrived. In fact, God could have even have stopped the people that told the king of Aram that it was Elisha that was giving away all of his secrets. God could have chosen to do it at any time. I would have chosen to do it like that. But not God. He does it his way, in his timing. When all hope seemed lost for Gehazi, God. You know, if I could pray and declare anything over us today, it would be this. Whatever we're facing, whatever we're feeling, whatever's happening in our, word, in our world right now, don't be afraid. See, there's, a, there's an army on our side that's greater and that's surrounding the enemies that we think are coming against us, yeah? All we have to do is open our eyes and see. Over and over and over again, God. Over and over and over again, God turns up and does the impossible. He does the improbable. He does the unbelievable. Over and over and over again, God turns up right in time. yeah, When there seems to be no time left. When all hope is lost, God. Isn't that the Easter message? A message of hope. It's it's in our Father's DNA. He can't help himself. It's who he is all the time. Yeah? See, this Easter Sunday, this is where we discover hope over and over and over again. I, I love this. What about John chapter 11? There's a man named Lazarus, and he was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters from verse 1, Mary and Martha. Verse 2, this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he did what we expected him to do. He went there straight away that's what God does when we pray he does stuff straight away doesn't he like the minute we pray we need you God he's there always and he answers verse 6 he stayed where he was for the next two days personally if I was the son of God I would have done it different I'm just putting it out there I think different I imagine it different it would have played out differently if this was me in this role. I'm letting you know that right now. Might be the same for you, I don't know. Finally, he said to his disciples, finally. It's like, ah, yeah. Ah, we'll go now. Yeah, it's been a couple of days. Coffee machine's broken. We may as well head off now. And it goes. Let's go back to Judea. So John 11 begins with a sick Lazarus. His sisters Mary and Martha send word to Jesus to come to Bethany to heal him, but Jesus doesn't go straight away. God just doesn't do stuff the way we would. He does it doesn't play out the way we imagine. He just does stuff cuz he's God. Yeah? He delays He waits two days. In fact, he waits till Lazarus is dead. Then we need to jump to verse 30 of John 11. Jesus had stayed outside the village at a place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would have not died or would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger. I'm feeling justified more and more at home. He felt a deep anger well up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, how much, see how much he loved them. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell would be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. We really have to put ourselves in this picture. And particularly after Jesus' delays. Yeah? Because God just doesn't do stuff the way we would. I said earlier, I would never have chosen the cross. He does stuff the way he wants to. We can't even imagine how he imagines. We can't think how he thinks. His ways are not our ways. Yeah? And so he doesn't come. And when he finally arrives, he leaves two days later, gets there an extra two days. Four days, this bloke's been dead, stinking, buried. Yeah? And Mary runs out. Now, it was her brother. She was already weeping. Now, I don't know about you, but the picture that I have is not... I don't see Mary falling at his feet saying, Oh, Lord, you know, if you'd come on time, my brother would still be alive. That, that's not, not how I picture it. I, I picture it different. I picture she threw himself at his feet. And I really hope you've got clean socks on, Laurie. And, and, and I'll try to be as gentle as possible. And I reckon she grabbed his feet. Lord, grabbed them and was weeping almost in his lap, almost to the extent where she started punching his chest. Lord, if you had come on time, if you had come when I called you, my brother would have been alive. How many times have we been in that place? Yeah? Exactly like Mary. Lord, if you had just come, if you had come when I called you, I wouldn't be sick. My spouse wouldn't be buried. My kids would still be walking with the Lord. God, why didn't you come? I cried out to you and I called you and you weren't there. Why didn't you come? See, that's what I see when Mary throws herself at Jesus' feet. And I think her cries are similar to the cries that I've had, and I'm going to assume, rightly or wrongly, to some of the cries that we've all had. Why weren't you here? Why didn't you do something? You could have done something. Why did you have to let that thing in my life die? Why weren't you here when I started to fall sick? Why weren't you here when my relationship was falling apart? Why, God? And you know, in the midst of that cry from Mary, right then when she fell at his feet, God, right there, God shows up. And God heals and God restores and God raised Lazarus from the dead. In his time. You've got to capture that this Easter Sunday. In his time, not ours. I don't know what any of you are going through in your lives. But I know what's going on in my life. I know what's going on in my mind. So, this Easter, know this it may seem hopeless. It might seem dead. It may seem like Father just isn't turning up when you cry out to Him. But He will. He does. He's on His way. It's His way in His time. We just have to know how He works. And trust how he works. And know that his love never fails. That his faithful love endures forever. I want to finish with this if I can. Can I have a guitar or keys? Whatever's, whatever works for you guys, I don't mind. Oh, keys one. Thanks, Andrew. See, Friday we remembered and celebrated his death. I say celebrate it because it was on the cross that our life started. On that cross that our life started. Yeah? I posted on Facebook this week, for those that are on social media, Jesus could have saved himself, but then he couldn't have saved you. He doesn't do things the way we think. He doesn't imagine the story playing out the way we imagine the story playing out. Our life began at a cross. And when you think that that was enough, then he gets buried and he's sealed in a tomb for three days and three nights, the scriptures say. All hope was lost. The Son of God had been killed and buried. At any time of the journey, our Father could have shown up. Any time, He could have made it right when He was being beaten. He could have made it right when He was being whipped. He could have been made could have made it right when He was carrying the cross. but his plan is not our plans and his ways aren't our ways and this was his plan and it was his plan that he was going to do it his way Jesus crucified okay God now fix it make it right raise him for the dead but no not yet I have still got to bury my son. I'm not, I'm not over my, my plan's not finished yet. He may be dead there, but I'm not going to bring him to life yet. I still need to bury him. Okay, God. What about now? Lift him up. Exalt him. Bringing back to life now, God. Because we need him now. But no. Jesus remained lifeless in the tomb hope seemed really lost it was a big stone that was over that tomb all hope gone victory gone situation impossible but right there God right there right right there When there was no time left, God, God turns up. See, when we think it's too late, he's there. When we think it's impossible, he makes it possible. When we think there's no time, he finds time. Because he's God, he's our father. And he's Jesus, our savior, our redeemer and our friend. And he always comes through in his time. Yeah, when he shouldn't, he does. When we can't, he can. Why don't we stand if that's okay? This Easter, as we remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus, remember this and learn from this God. Comes through and he will come through when we least expect it. Yeah? He actually knows what he's doing even when it looks like he has no clue. When things look like they're finished, don't give up because he's coming. When everything looks lost and broken and impossible, the God of the impossible is on our side. His army will always outnumber the army of our enemy always and when things look insurmountable he just speaks to them and asks them to move yeah see no matter how long you've struggled with something no matter how long you think that thing that dream that that prophecy has been dead and buried for remember you cannot you cannot you cannot have a resurrection without a death So if you've got something in your life that looks dead, rejoice now. Because now life will come. Even when it looked like he arrived late, he still rose Lazarus from the dead. And just to make sure that we understood how he works, he goes and kills his son and buries him for three days. Because we could say, it's easy for you to raise Lazarus from the dead, but I'm going to show you that I can do it with myself. And now I'm going to put me inside of you. So no matter what's dead in your life, you can bring it back to life. That's what Easter Resurrection Sunday is all about. That he will do it in his way and in his time in your life. So your victory is just around the corner. Even the criminal on the cross thought that he was finished. There was no time left. He was hanging. It was his death. And even in that place, God, God right there turns up, finds time and delivers him and brings him home to the Father. Even there, that's Resurrection Sunday in His time, in His way. Don't force it. Don't make it. Don't try it. Just let Him and trust Him because He's got it. He's not there anymore. Now He's inside here. Yeah? So we're going to pray. And we're going to pray that we're going to take away the resurrection power of Jesus because He's rolled a big stone away. And whatever that stone is in your life, it's not there anymore because it's been rolled away. Some of you may have small stones. Some of us may have monsters. Regardless of size, he has rolled them away. He has done it his way in his time. And if you still feel like things are hopeless and lost and broken, just hang on. Just hang on. Just hang on. Just just a little bit more. Just hang on. I know it seems like he's delaying. I know that he could have come straight away, but just hang on. Just hang on no matter how smelly your circumstance might feel and smell and stink, hang on. Cuz he will raise that thing from the dead. And when he does it comes out perfumed. Yeah? Cuz there's life, resurrection life from a resurrected God. Amen. So, Father, right now in this place, God, we just ask that your resurrection power would be alive in each and every one of us. Lord God, I know there are circumstances in life that just, as they would say in the western suburbs of Melbourne, that just suck. Sorry, but it's just the way it is. Sometimes life just isn't fair. But we've got a God that does stuff His way, not our way. And he always comes through. His love never fails. His faithful love endures forever. Father, I thank you that where there was death, you bring life. There can be no resurrection without a death. Thank you, God, that you're resurrecting stuff in our lives. I thank you right now, God. You're removing, God, negative thoughts, Father, anxieties and depression. God, you're replacing it with brand new thoughts, resurrected thoughts, new man thoughts. Father, we are a new creation. God, we think of things differently because you rolled that big stone away. Father, we stand here celebrating Resurrection Sunday. We stand here celebrating because you are resurrected in our life. That you are the King and the God of our life. Lord, we may not always understand, but Lord, we pray like Elisha prayed. And we say, Father, open our eyes. Lord, that we might see you at work, that we might see the chariots of fire, Lord God, that are surrounding our enemies, that we might know and understand, Lord, that victory is just around the corner. Lord, I pray that we would live such a victorious life with such a victorious mindset in the new man that when we walk from this place, no matter who we encounter, Lord, they will know, they will know, they will know that we are sons and daughters of the living God of the alive God. So Lord, we claim your life in every area of ours. Lord, every circumstance, every season, every thought, every battle. Father, we speak your life there, Lord, and we claim it. We claim it in Jesus' name on this Easter Sunday. And so right now, before we leave, I'm going to ask that you just place on your lips Words of praise, words of thanks to your father, even now. Just now start thanking that he's alive in your life. Lord God, thank you. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you do in our lives. Thank you for what you've done in my life with my family and my children. Thank you for what you've resurrected, Lord, the things that were once dead. Thank you, God. Thank Him, thank Him, thank Him. Because if He was in front of you now, if you could see that stone and you could see the glory of God walking out to you, He's coming out to embrace you. He's your God. Father, we're going to walk out of this place different people, alive people, living in the resurrection power of Jesus. And Lord, not just at Easter time, but this is going to follow on. This is going to carry on from Sunday to Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, back to Sunday. It's going to carry on to the next week, the next month, the next year, the next decade. God, we are a people who are alive because you are alive. And so, God, we give you a shout of praise in this place. We give you a shout of praise in this place. And every voice in this place will say amen. Right now, church, can we give him a a, a clap offering of praise, a clap offering of victory? Bless you, God. Bless you, God. Bless you, God. Wherever you go today, whoever you're spending time with today, know this that He is our resurrected Savior, that has moved the big rock out the way of your life, that you might live life in Him. Amen? Amen. Have fun while He does it His way in His time. (laughs) Thank you.